And we're back for another par train. Yep. Guys, we're playing hurt here. We are playing hurt. You guys hear it's the flu season. Woo! It got me good. I am on the other side. Had the flu for the last eight days. And we don't let anything get in the way of hey, us Brian. getting you guys your favorite interviews, okay? Strad, unfortunately, got bit by the bug today. So he's out. Serm and I are here. What's going on, Serm? All good. I mean, I missed the last episode or two, so it's good to be back in action. Ev, you're feeling a little bit better. We wish Strat the best, but but before we talk about our newest episode, do we want to talk about a promo code? Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> we are we got we got our favorite partners. I mean, Roback. Roback yep. has all these new products. I'm still I still got to get a vest. Have you gotten a vest yet? Not yet, but my Q-Zip is getting a lot of rave wow. at the uh, office, actually. My wow. manager just ordered a couple couple polos of Q-Zip after he saw the logo. So yeah, what's, the, what's the promo code, Ev? The, the promo code is TRAIN. <laughs> and maybe instead of selling the promo code, maybe this, this time to start out the year on the right foot, maybe we say thank you. I'd like to say thank you for yeah. all the listeners out there that use the promo code TRAIN. Because we had a lot of people buying using the, tra- the code TRAIN, 20% off. And uh, I know a lot of you got it as a gift for the holidays. And uh, I can't wait to continually look at all the new stuff. So in case you are returning something from another brand or you just want to start the year off right and get something new for yourself, do it. Roback.com. Use the code TRAIN. And shout shout out to the Roback team. So thanks, guys, for everything and for a big 2020. We had a great kickoff to 2020, Ev, with our this first really, episode. This really was. I mean, this was all this. We we told uh, Evan off air. There was a lot of firsts in this one. It's our first interview of 2020. It's our first Evan that we've interviewed. I don't interview myself, so first Evan we've interviewed, and first Thank the time for. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not sure which Evan I like better. I mean, we had a pretty interesting oh. Evan on. Wow. Okay. Now we're having fun. Come on. Yeah, we're having fun. <laughs> I mean, he he. Evan Schiller, for those that you don't, for those that don't know, is arguably the best golf photographer in the world. If you guys, yeah, sure. basically every, if if you looked at a picture of a famous golf course, I bet you there's a good chance it's him. And I just want to read a quote real quick from Bill Core of Core and Crenshaw, my favorite architects in the game. Um, he said. Evan Schiller's photographs are more than just beautiful images of golfing landscapes. His photography brings to life the details of a golf course and draws the viewer into the image as though he were on, on the course itself. His ability to capture spectacular images from a golfer's perspective is particularly impressive. Evan is a golfer's photographer. I'm a great admirer of Evan's special talent. And we should say Evan you know, was, a big, was a player. Um, a, a, a fantastic player. Yeah, he played, played the on, U.S. Open. Yeah, played in the U.S. Open. Played on tour, and so he, I think, you know, we won't go into too much detail because we want to get you. And this was a longer interview, but I think what was really interesting to me is that we learned things that we didn't expect. Like a lot of people might think, you know, we're going to talk a lot about photography, but I think what we really focused on is everything he's learned from being a photographer into helping you play the game more present um mental game also just yeah go ahead go ahead no i think that when you when when you dive into this episode we get a little kind of technical photography stuff 
early on in the episode, but it really goes, we really kind of morph the episode into really the mental game, yeah. you know, and his travel experiences and how he's taken what he learned as a player into being a photographer. And I felt like we were just, we just got in, into a, an amazing kind of deep groove. I mean, he said he could be here all day. And we're like, we could be here all day talking about the mental game and just res- loving golf for what it is and the nature and the surroundings. So it was awesome. Yeah, it might have been one of our most quotable uh, yeah. episodes. Yeah, I'm going to have to go through for our Twitter with a fine-tooth yeah. comb and start posting some of the quotes. Um, yeah. One of the last things I'll say uh, before we dive into the interview here is I thought he his story was a perfect example, especially starting a new decade. A lot of people look at things like for- photography and they think, well, I could never be a photographer, right? He, he had no experience in photography. He didn't yeah. even know when he dis- when he realized that he had kind of an eye for golf courses um, from when he was playing. He didn't even know how to work a camera, yeah. let alone no, edit it's, photos. He de- it's good, good to find the odds. Yeah, and we talk all about that. And I think he, his life is almost a blueprint um, for anyone out there that wants to. I know I'll take a lot of lessons moving forward um, from Evan's story. So Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well. Amazing conversation, great kickoff to the year, and uh, let's just kick it to the interview. Let's do it, 2020. Arguably the greatest, one of my favorites, photographers in the game of golf. Um, Welcome to the show, Evan. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. It's really, really great to be here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. So uh, we always like to give our guests a little bit of a warm-up. Think of it as a little... uh, small bucket at the range. Um, so we've got a couple fun ones that we're going to start you out on before we dive into um, your life and others. The first thing we okay. really wanted to know is, you know, this is a little bit of a selfish question, Evan, I got to say. What is the one thing we're all doing wrong on our Instagrams from a photography perspective? Oh, boy. That's <laughs> it. Um, Instagram has changed quite a bit in the last couple of years. The um, well, the organic reach is compl- is changed. It's not what it used to be. But as far as posting, so you probably you know used to put a post or a photo, and you know the next thing you know you'd have a hundred new followers the next day, and that's not the case anymore. Um, but it's strictly like from a like technique standpoint, what should the the format of Instagram is. Um, this is kind of technical stuff is vertical as you know mm-hmm. or maybe don't know i don't know <laughs> um so what i do is i crop all my photos to as best i can to have them fit the instagram format as best possible um from you know like a size perspective it's uh 1350 pixels vertically by 1080 horizontally that would be the ideal size um and as far as i know statistics show that the larger the photo shows up it it fills up the space of instagram the better it is Uh, and if you flip through you know your instagram feed you can see the difference in the way you know people who post photos that are vertical versus you know horizontal photos they're just they show up bigger on people's you know, statistics also shows that bright, you know, nice photos, bright photos 
uh, even photos that have, depending on what you're trying to, you know, what you're posting about. Um, but bright photos, photos with sometimes with yourself or people in it tend to get more attention than others. But I guess it depends on what you're trying to convey or what you're trying to uh, offer people that, you know, that what you would post. A couple courses you spent a lot of time at or, you know, or, or some of the Kaiser golf courses, Mike Kaiser and the Kaiser family. Uh, they don't have so much a history, at least yet, in major championships. But places like Bandon Dunes, Sand Valley, Cabot Cliffs. Um, can you talk a little bit about um, those properties and why they're so special to you? We actually had Chris, Ke- Chris Kaiser, son of Mike, on the show. He and I grew up playing together. So we just, uh, Evan spent, uh, yeah, here in Chicago. Evan has, other Evan here, <laughs> my partner, has spent time at, uh, Bandon and Sand Valley. So uh, we just would love to hear you talk about it. The Kaiser properties remind me of, uh, and I think this was the movie Field of Dreams, where they said, just build it and they will come. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's, That's kind of how they occur for me. Because, you know, when Bandon Dune came on, nobody knew who Mike Kaiser was and nobody knew, <clears throat> you know, it took a while for it to catch on. You know, who the heck builds a golf course on the coast of Oregon in the middle of nowhere? Um, and then it caught on. And then he built, and now, if, you know, if Mike Kaiser builds a place in, you know, the North Pole, people are going to go. Because, you know, he's, he's set a precedent as to what he's created. Absolutely. Um, He's, uh, or they've created, you know, it, yeah, it's, uh, everything they seem to touch is just turns wonderful. Um, well, I think, first of all, they've picked some amazing locations, amazing pieces of land. You know, Dan Valley is, you know, to think they found this, these sand dunes, um, I forgot what it's called because it it was this area I know that sat was under a glacier for a long time and then it melted and it flooded and it created this incredible sand dune, sandy sand barrens almost area. I mean, but to be able to find a piece of land like that in the middle of Wisconsin and then build a golf course or golf courses uh, was pretty incredible. He you know he also enlists the best golf you know the best some of the best architects in the business today so the courses are wonderful uh i mean i personally think bandon dunes is the best golf destination in the world um and you know it's only going to get better now with the, the, the sheep ranch coming on yeah um buddy they've for lack of a better way of saying it they've kind of found a formula that works um you know they it's great golf i mean it's all golf the, the accommodations are really good. The food is really good. You go there and it's golf. And they've created great, great staff, a great caddy program at all these places, with the exception, I think, of Cabot. I'm not quite sure about their caddy program, but but they have a great caddy programs at Bandon and at Sand Valley uh, and some at Cabot. I'm not exactly sure. Um, so they've just created this great golf experience in all three places. Um, and I mean, it's just great golf courses. I mean, every, I think every course 
um, with Duke Navy. I think most of their courses have won best new course at some point. <laughs> yeah. Year, or, come, or been or come close. And their 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 family is amazing too. Their family is wonderful as well. I've had a chance to meet all of them. Um, just really wonderful, close knit uh, family. I mean, I think I think the 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 boys now, Mike, Michael, and Chris, are kind of uh, running the show for the most part. Yep. Yeah, Evan. I actually being from Chicago, I was, it was I had a cool opportunity to play their their first course, the Dunes Club. Yeah, um, and it was such. It was knowing you know nine holes. You play it twice from different tees, and that was just a taste of what I guess what was what to come. But it was so memorable to begin with. So we're um, yeah, Evan and uh, our other Evan here is. I mean, yeah, he, he loves it too. <laughs> he loves the the, <laughs> the well, Kaiser vision, you know. Yeah, it's well, funny. I guess that was, that was the trial run. They're like, let's just build the let's build a nine hole course and see how it goes. Okay, this works. It's funny, Evan. You said that Bannon is what you think is the best golf resort in the world, and I could I could totally agree. I think the funny thing though is when I went to Sand Valley for the first time this fall, this last fall, I thought that it was an interesting option in the sense that I almost felt like it's designed to help the golfer have even a little bit more fun than Bandon, just yep. because Bandon brings in the wind and the rain whereas sand valley at least when i went it might have just been a beautiful weekend but um the way it's designed you know my my round on mammoth dunes might have been the most fun round of golf i've ever played um and so it's interesting i i i think both are incredible but they kind of give you a little bit different of an experience while the main things that you just spoke about the golf, the service, the field, how it's not country clubbish. It's very welcoming and, and, yeah. and relaxed. That also remains the same, but it's interesting that the intricacies of each one. Yeah. You know, I was, um, my first trip to, um, Stan Valley was, uh, two, three years ago. Um, Stan Valley had just opened and they were still, I think they had maybe nine, they had just opened up nine holes um, on uh, um, Mammoth. And David Kidd happened to be there when I was there. And it's the first time I'd met him. So he, uh, he took me around in his little, in a little John Deere. And Mostly on the holes on the back nine, which were still being some of them were still being shaped, uh, some were being grassed, and I remember the excitement. I could, you know, you could hear in his voice how excited he was about this course, and he talked about how he had learned in the past about making golf courses too hard, and how this one he wanted it to be challenging yet fun he said i just want this to be fun i want people to have a great experience but also have it be a challenge so he explained to me all the different design features he had laid out here you know that give people options and make it fun you know where like on uh, like on the 14th hole the downhill he says you know well you can 
you know, the fairway slopes from way up the right to the left. He goes, well, you can hit it down the left, but you can also hit it up here on the right if you want and have it feed down, or, you know, you can hit it. So he was explaining all these different options, and I could just see how much fun this course was going to be play um, going forward. He goes, yeah, I want people to come out here fun, and I want them to have to be looking for balls all the time. I don't want them, you know, being big, deep bunkers, um, but I want it to be a challenge. And everyone that I've spoken to who have played Mammoth, that was the first one of the first things they said is how much fun it was. And that was his intent, what he told me when, he, when I drove around with him. So, Evan, you, you, you mentioned this earlier. I'd love to learn about the day you made the leap from player to photographer. Um, you didn't really have, you didn't have no training in photography. What, what made you want to make it your job? What made that switch happen for you? Yeah, I don't know if it was a leap. It wasn't. Yeah, at some point, I guess it was a leap. But um, I'm going to backtrack a little bit and just give you a little context. I, um, while I was playing, um, I remember there was a day I had played in the California Open. I think this was uh, it was in the eight, late eighties, and um, I was pretty young and we played the, the california open was at the mountain course at the la quinta resort and the um uh, the tournament course at um mission hill where they played the Dinosaur, shore or you, you not call the Dinosaur shore anymore but um and then somebody said you know there's a new course that just opened up down the street you should go check it out pete died just did it it was a stadium course at pj west so we went out there really early because it was like 100, it was in August, it was 120, you know, in the middle of the day. So I remember going out there really early, coming down the ninth hole. And we go, the ninth hole goes along this pond and has a sand trap that runs all along the pond with the railroad ties. And right, it looks, goes right at this mountain. It was this beautiful scene early in the morning. And it was that point I said, you know, I got to start bringing a camera with me. So I went home, got a camera and started bringing it with me to these tournaments I went to just taking pictures and, you know, I would hang them on my wall or give them to my buddy, you know, and then, you know, kind of fast forward a few years later, I worked as an assistant uh, professional in the New York area. I worked at Quaker Ridge for a few years and I worked at Westchester Country Club for a few years. And while I was at Westchester, um, a friend of mine said to me, you know, you know, you ought to put some of these pictures in the pro shop and sell them. And I kind of laughed and I thought that pretty funny because I didn't really think they were that good. <laughs> they were good enough to hang on my wall, but they sure weren't good enough to sell. Uh, anyway, so I put a few in there. They started, they sold, and then I did it at a few other clubs. Um, eventually, uh, I kind of knew I didn't want to stay in the golf business from working at a club. Um, I really liked teaching. So I uh, it also worked with um, Extraordinary, I don't know if you heard of Extraordinary Golf. It was started by Fred Shoemaker. So I had met Fred a few years earlier. And so and then I started working with him for a while. And all the while, I was kind of developing my photography business along the side. So it wasn't like this, you know, I didn't go cold turkey from the golf, you know, playing golf or working at a, it was as I was doing these other things, you know, teaching and working with Extraordinary Golf, I was building my photography business. And then it just kind of transitioned from, Less, you know, you know, working at playing and working at a club and teaching to, you know, for the most part, full time photography. 
it just happened gradually over the years and you know probably you know the last 10 12 years it's you know been full bore that way yeah it's fascinating and i bet it sounds like evan there are these little nudges along the way right your friend telling you to sell your photography in the pro shop you didn't have to listen right can you can you talk about the importance of following those little nudges to yeah help you become whatever you is you're supposed to become yeah i know i there was also um a gentleman i had uh met along the way who was a friend of a friend and he had he was very successful uh he was a consultant in the did a lot of work in the uh, clothing industry and he'd worked with some photographers and he he is another one who nudged me and said you know the common uh view he said is you know the struggling quote the struggling photographer and i said to him yeah i've always had that one in the back of my mind he said I know a lot of photographers who are making a lot of money. <laughs> if you're good and you you grow your business properly, you can kill it. So, you know, if you ever want to talk to one of these guys or, you know, advice from me. So I talked to this guy a few times and he kind of told me about certain things and uh, about developing my business. And I think it was those two nudges that, and I also, you know, I started to some results i started to see you know i said i really like this and i i said i think i have an eye for it um i think i had an eye for it i just needed to learn more of the technical side like you know okay mm-hmm. how to use a camera how to use a camera properly and how to you know do post-production and you know photoshop and things like that or lightroom so that one took a while but once i i kind of got that under my belt i said okay i could do this and the next thing was, you know, kind of the next thing was breaking in, which was a little bit challenging. It took a while because when I started doing this, there was, you know, there was no social media really. Um, there wasn't, you know, the internet hadn't really exploded the way it is. I mean, today, you know, somebody could become, you know, a famous photographer in no time. You know, they get a, you know, they start an Instagram page, they post some nice photos, people start liking it, and it can grow a lot quicker now than uh, it could back then. So it took me a while to break in, you know, um, and get to be known, to, you know, like magazines and things like that. So I would say it was, you know, those two nudges, but also starting to see uh, some results and, not, and good and some positive feedback that, you know what, hey, I can do this. And just kept me kept me going along, um, and then it just kind of snowballed. <laughs> you know, it was like I I got to a point. You know, it was it's called a tipping point. Sometimes it was it, it was like that. It, you know, it was like no no kind of no 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 yes. How did you That's break how in? It's funny because I I get I at least once a week I get people sending me notes on, you know, Instagram, emails or Twitter, you know, how do I get into golf photography? What drone should I use? What camera should I use? How did you break, you know, I had some guy, how do I break into the Asian market? <laughs> dude, dude, I like, I live in the United States. I've done one shoot. Why are you asking me? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> You're the expert. <laughs> I, 
I just get on a plane, go there, and I said, find out the golf courses, find out what they want, send them a letter. Hey, I'm coming over. Can I shoot your golf course? I'll do it for free, and then you can buy the pictures. I don't know other, you know. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, nobody ever told me what to do. I, I just kind of followed my nose, and I said, okay. I just started calling golf courses. Hmm. I said, hey, uh, can I come shoot your golf course? I, you know, sometimes I would just do it for free. I said, listen, I just, um. When to come, I'm trying to develop my portfolio or, you know, I was lucky early on, somebody um, comes to me, a publisher, and goes, hey, um, would you like to do a book on golf courses in Hawaii with us? Went, yeah, sure. He says, um, I'm not sure we can pay you a whole heck of a lot. I can, I can cover some of your travel expenses, uh, but you need to go to Hawaii and show golf courses. <laughs> okay. Not, I mean, not bad, right? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you know, that was probably almost 20 years ago. And so that was a, that was a big help. That helped because I got to know a lot of people in Hawaii. It resulted in some future work. Uh, I think I would just, I would go through golf magazines and I would go just look through the photos, you know, what was, what are the new courses coming on? What are the courses that are the top rank? What are the best, you know, what are the top rank courses in every state? And I would just start, you know, I'd send letters. I mean, I remember sending out tons of letters and stuff, you know, and one out of 50 maybe came back. Hmm. Um, you know, it wasn't all, you know, I, I don't know if it was even email, you know, a lot of email. I, mean, I would send an email. I would send emails. I would just send a lot of stuff out, you know, introducing myself. I'm going to be in the area. I'm working with this book guy, or you know, I, uh, you know, I know I had started working a little bit with a Jack Nichols golf calendar, so that kind of helped me into a couple of places. I said, "Well, can you got a contact there?" So it was. I would just anywhere I could go to shoot a golf course, uh, I would do it, even if it was simply the you know, just build my portfolio or to get to know people. And then, you know, sometimes people would buy the photos back or or not. And so I had it in my portfolio. And then I, I know I started working with some calendar companies because they had some photos, you know, that they wanted. Um, but I think, you know, when the internet kind of exploded and social media started to take off, um, yeah, there was a point where, I, my name started to get known, and that's when it reversed. And then, other, instead of me, it, instead of me going that way, it started coming back this way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, Evan, this is Sir here. I, I'm very interested about your the, the, this transition from being a great player to photographer. But funny enough, when you were just talking prior about extraordinary golf, I was googling that. It rang a bell. I, my dad, we all had the book. I have three brothers. We all grew up playing. We had Extraordinary Putting by Fred Shoemaker, the yeah. book. <laughs> so it's just, I mean, I like yeah. it just, that just really rang a bell and there were some great drills. Um, so I just had to mention that. That's very cool that you were part of the whole and Extraordinary that, Golf movement. Yeah. I've, you know, I've known, I've been a part of that for, I don't know, 20 plus years. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I still am. I still am. Wow, that, I, have, I have great book. You got to pick it up. Many great books here, but okay, just, yeah, gonna have to pick it up. Do you think you know going from golfer to photographer? 
you know, maybe a couple of great traits as a competitive player were discipline and imagination. And do you think those were pretty transferable, you know, among other things of great players, but into being a photographer specifically? Yeah. And I think also being a part of extraordinary golf made a huge difference as well. Huh. Yeah. Because, you know, if you've read the book, you know, it's not like a traditional golf school where that's all about backswings and downswings and telling right. people what to do. And I think one of the greatest things I learned from extraordinary golf is, first of all, to trust myself, uh, to not be so um, run by the voice in my head, you know, the voice in your head that says, you know, you're no good or you can't do this or watch out or be careful. You know, that little just pop-up voice. And I, I just think I learned not to listen to that. Sure. It also taught, it also taught me a lot about dealing with people. Um, and um, just, I think one of the greatest things I learned was dealing with people's concerns. Um, yeah. You know, because people go to a golf school there's they always have a concern so it's like okay find out what the concern is and deal with it and so i do that i've taken that to when i work with clients or photograph golf courses i said okay what do people want you know what what are their concerns and just deal with them put them at ease know that's being taken care of uh so that's made a huge difference as well and i you know i got that from working with extraordinary golf you know sure um i think one of the things that i've developed over time um, if this makes any sense, is the ability to see. Uh, in other words, oh. I can drive. I can drive around the golf course and pretty much remember it. Come close to remembering it the first time around. Hmm. I remember the holes, and I can remember. Okay, well, this hole seems like it'd be good to shoot first thing. This one maybe is better in the afternoon. Uh, you know, so sometimes I'll be talking with the superintendent, and he'll and he'll. He'll, I'll say, well, you know, the fifth hole is this. And he goes, you know all that already? I went, yeah, well, that's my job. <laughs> um, right. But, that, but that's, that's, come, that's, that's, that's the perspective, right? That's changed too. Right? Yeah. That's come from years of being around golf, being on golf courses. Um, you know, there was a, um, somebody, there was something that occurred on Twitter the other day. And somebody was talking about, a couple of golf courses, and I don't remember which ones they were, but they talked about how memorable they were. And they said, well, that's a sign of a good design. And I thought to myself, you know, I've been on, I've been with people on some of the best golf courses in the world and you get done and they can't remember many of the holes. It's not just a function of the design. It's a function of the people. And I said, lots of times you notice on a golf course, people, they spend a lot of time in their head, their heads thinking, right? They're worried, sure. thinking about what they're yep. doing or how am I looking? But right. they, don't, they don't actually see the golf course. Hmm. You know, my job, my job is, they don't see what's in front of them because they're so in their head. You know, whether it's they're engaged in worry about what people are thinking about them, you know, whether it's uh, concern for how am I going to hit my next shot? You know, what are my friends going to think? Uh, you know, 
God, I'm, I just bogeyed the last three holes, and now what's going to happen to my score? So it's, there's constant, this constant churning of thought, uh, which keeps you from actually being present to the golf course. And so hence, you, you don't remember it. <laughs> it's very difficult to play golf in your head. So I've been trained to be present. I've been trained to actually be out there like not in my head, but be out there with what's in front of me, you know, seeing golf course, seeing the little nuances of it. Um, when I'm scouting out a golf course, I'm looking for different perspectives, different angles. Uh, okay, well, this hole I could take from over here. This would be kind of cool, or maybe this angle would be kind of cool. You know, maybe late in the day from behind the green. So I'm always sure. looking with the intent to see what's there. Um, and I think my job requires it. And I think, you know, if you play golf, so especially do it professionally, requires it. Right. You know, and, and Ev is, other Ev is going to jump in here, but we talk a lot about kind of the mental game on this podcast a lot and the, the, yeah. the challenge to, be, to get to being present. So you talking about being trained to be present. I mean, Ev, if you want to jump in here, I mean, this is really yeah. good stuff for our listeners. Yeah, Evan, it seems yeah. like it's, you've been, you've, your playing days have influenced you as a photographer, and it sounds like your your nature to be present and see and feel a moment for the 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 most perfect photo. It sounds like it's almost trained your mental game in the sense too as a player. So it's going it's gone both ways. Um, yeah. Or maybe when you play now, is it true? Maybe you focus a little less on score and you're maybe more in the moment because you're noticing everything around you? Because that's, that's something I've used a lot. I, I had a tournament in September on a course that I historically played really bad at, um, and I decided to just see the beauty, as corny as that sounds, and I started to just look at the holes. Oh, I haven't really noticed this water feature before. I haven't really noticed the types of trees before. And I, inherently, I became very relaxed, and I naturally started to play better. And so I'd love yep. to hear kind of the reverse effect of that for you. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's a great point you bring up. Um, you can't, um, I, it's hard it, for me, I'm going to just speak from my own experience. It's hard for me to think and feel or think and see at the same time. Like I'm either in my head or I'm out there. Like um, some people say, well, don't you have to think about what you're doing? I went, mm, no. <laughs> I don't. You don't think about your walking, but you walk. I said, I, I look. <laughs> well, I'll, quick interjection. I, Byron Nelson, the greatest ball striker of all time, said, "Well, what do you think about Byron when you swing?" He goes, "Well, it's just like eating. You know, I don't. I don't think when I eat, right? I wish it was all like that for yeah. us, right?" <laughs> yeah. And you know, um, we got to think about something, don't you? Right. Well, you know, and like sometimes if I'm on a golf course. I'm playing and people think, well, what do you think about when you're at? Said, well, my intent is to not think about anything. Said, well, how do you swing that? You know, how do you walk? You don't think. I said, there's a difference between being present to something or experiencing something or feeling something versus thinking about it. In other words, I can think about a sunset, right? Or I can actually see it or be present to it. I can experience it. It's a completely different thing. 
I can talk about a sunset. I can talk about a golf course. And is it like actually being there and right. seeing it or being present to it? Um, so that, that has been my, been my um, training over the years. Is to, training is to be present and pay attention. As far as I can tell, it served me well. Sure. No, I, <laughs> it was my friend, my, one of my friends, uh, Bill, uh, who's also one of the coaches of Extraordinary Golf. He goes, uh, there's no bad days out there. And he's pointing, you know, out to the environment. You know, right. <laughs> so, but there's only one place there's a bad day. And then he, right. you know, he kind of holds, holds his head. The only place, one, it's only one place a bad day can exist. Um, so, you know, my my intent all the time is to be out, you know, in the world, to be present to what I'm doing. Right. People, you know, the environment. And, you know, I realize it's got, there's times where there's thinking, you know, you're going to uh, plan out your day. You know, there's thinking involved or, you know, things like that, you know, getting from point A to point B, you got to, you know, sometimes think about it. Really kind of understand your story about extraordinary golf and how you're still involved there. Would you say you being a professional photographer is a nice kind of serene balance because it can be maybe a lonely job, but with kind of else what you're doing, is it a, does it complement your, I don't know, some of the activity and the stimulation side of the game as you know, with other people? Well, you know, as a photographer, you know, you some you spend time alone, but also, you know, lots of times when I'm, I go on a shoot, um, I have to interact with a lot of people. Uh, you know, people at the golf course, like maybe the head pro or the marketing people, you know, I'll meet with them when I arrive. Uh, I will meet with a golf course superintendent to coordinate a lot of stuff, you know, timing of things, logistics, you know, sometimes they'll prepare a golf course for me. And oftentimes when I go shoot somebody from the, you know, sometimes with the marketing people or even sometimes one of the, you know, the golf course superintendent or their assistant will go with me. Uh, so there's, you know, there's people there and it, I always, you know, it's always kind of nice. Would you mind if I go? I said, no, no, it's kind of nice to have somebody out here and talk and, you know, I learn about what they do. I learn about the golf course. I've, learned, I've right. learned a lot about the course superintendent. I got to know them just hanging out. Um, you know, whereas when you're, coaching golf you know you're always with somebody <laughs> whether it's a group or it's a person generally right. always there's always somebody with you so you're always interacting non-stop yep yeah yeah um so yeah a lot of times when i'm shooting i'm out there by myself but it doesn't feel like i'm by myself because i'm you know so i'll go out you know in the morning i get out there early you know oftentimes before sunrise and just make sure everything's okay or just to get my bearings or scout out things just to make sure I'm clear what I'm going to do make sure my equipment's working right and then next, next you know it could be anywhere between in the summer you know five o'clock in the morning or 4 30 depending on where you are in generally the first couple hours or so of the morning are the best light you know and the next thing you know I turn around it's eight o'clock right whoa man it went by and that went by it doesn't quick. feel like that yeah, because I'm not, I'm not thinking about time. I'm not thinking about how long I'm out there. I'm just, you know, I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm paying attention to what I'm doing. And, and it seems like when I'm, when I'm in my head, 
time seems to take forever. <laughs> when I'm present, it seems to fly by. That's a good quote. That's a good yeah. quote. Well, uh, Evan, we've, we're going to get you out of here soon. We've got, but we've got two more okay. questions for you. I'm, not, um, I'm in no rush. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Other Evan, I could talk mental game with you for hours. So be careful what you wish for. <laughs> okay. Um, but, you know, we, we've talked about, you know, obviously you're traveling around the world. So for, for 2020, we're in the new decade. What, what could um, our listeners or some of your followers expect out of your travels this year? Where, 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 where do you see yourself going? And maybe a couple of courses you can share. Wow. Yeah, sure. Uh, uh, well, let's see what's on the horizon this year. Uh, probably another trip to Ireland at some point. Um, there's going to be a trip to South Carolina, a couple nice. of courses, but nothing's definite yet. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to think here. Oh, there's, um, in, uh, May, oh, sorry. End of April. I'm going to be going out back out to Bandon Dunes. Not bad. Uh, yeah. I'm <laughs> kind of skipping around here a little bit. Yeah. That'll be, I'll be out there for a while. Then in May, uh, I'll be back out West to, um, I'm going to be going to Gamble Sands, and then at the end of May, uh, going to um, Oak Hill in Rochester because they just um, Andrew Green just did a re- renovation there of the East Course. They um, they did a renovation there. You know they had the they've had the U.S. Open and the Ryder Cup yep. there. Oh yeah. Um, and then. Let's see. I'm trying to. I should probably just pull up my schedule here. You know. I mean, that sounds like a pretty good year already, Evan. <laughs> well, no, I'm not done. There's like, like June and July are almost all booked already, which is kind of cool. Uh, I'm going to wow. go out to Long Island to shoot the Creek Club. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. It's a, it's a, um, uh, C.B. McDonald, Seth Rayner design. That great Gil name. Well, yeah. Seth Rain- We love Seth Rayner. Yeah. Yeah. He. Yeah. Gil Hans. Uh, restored it a few years back. Uh, and then I'm going to oh at the end of oh in June uh, to um, why am I blowing out Harbor Shores in Michigan? No, not Harbor. Uh, French Lick, Indiana Harbor Shores in Michigan. End of June Canterbury in Ohio. Good little Midwest uh, talk here. I like this. July, yeah. I'll, he might be back in Michigan. I'm trying to think <laughs> as far as I can remember. <laughs> um, yeah, there's and there's some other stuff that's kind of uh, in the works. You know, um, there's some local stuff as well around here. Um, Love that. I think. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of great places, Evan. I'd say. Yeah. Our my last question, and then we'll get you out of here on this, is going back to what we talked about at the beginning, I was really struck by something you said, which was how you got, you got these little nudges, right? And, and you thought you had an eye for photography, but you didn't really know how to work a camera. You didn't know how to edit things. A lot of people would then, you know, to your point about being in your own head a lot, a lot of people would have seen those things as the, the main things you need to become a successful photographer. A lot of people would have stopped there. A lot of people would have said, well, why me? I don't know how to work, even work a camera. Right. Um, yeah. So 
I think there's a lesson in there already, but I'm curious if you want to expand on that or what you would tell someone thinking about following their passion that might get tripped up or stop themselves before they even start pursuing it. Um, Because I think your story is a really good learning example for a lot of people. There's a great book. I don't know if you ever heard of it. Um, I don't remember the author, but the name of the book is called Do What You Love and the Money You'll Follow. Hmm. Sure. No, I've not, uh, I don't know if I've heard of it. Yeah, I think that's it. Makes, think that's makes sense, right? <laughs> I think that's it. Um, well, you know, when I started doing this, it's a lot different than it is today. You could go on YouTube and you know, search anything, you know, how to try your shoelaces better, you know, how to brush your teeth better, how to walk your dog better. You could find a video on anything. So it, it, today it's a lot different. You could, you know, you want to find out how to edit photos in Photoshop. There's thousands of videos probably out there on YouTube where you can learn how to do it. The, the, the learning curve, I think, is a lot uh, quicker now than it was when I started off. Like I said, it was, I had my doubts, um, but I, I, I just kept at it. But, you know, I think also I had the other side. I had, you know, my golf and my coaching and my playing. That was, I had that. I had something that was already kind of secure. I'd say, okay, I'm going to follow this photography thing and see where it goes. And I don't even know if the thought was even that conscious at the time. Uh, but like I, I think now you could, you know, I think if the passion is there, you'll learn the other stuff. You'll learn what's necessary. You know, if, if the passion, if you want something bad enough or the passion is there, it generally, the rest of the stuff just comes along. You'll figure it out. You know, I remember my father said to me, when I had my doubts about going to play tournament golf, he's, you know, I, I, oh, I'm not, and I thought, well, you know what, I'm not good enough. I don't know, you know, I, how are we going to get the money? Uh, you know, said, he says, listen, what's the worst that could happen? I don't know, I fail. He goes, so what? So you'll go, you know, there's lots of jobs you can get, there's lots of things you can do. He said, do you really want to play golf? I said, yeah. Okay, well, why not give it a try? He says, we'll figure it out. Whether, you know, I have to give you some money or we have to help raise some money, we'll figure it out. You figure out the golf part. You don't have, I don't know how to do that. You figure out the golf part. <laughs> you know, if you don't know what to do, figure it out. Go find somebody who does. Right. And I always remember that. And huh. it goes, yeah, nobody told me how to start a photography business. I just, I mean, ask questions. I just kind of followed. I just followed my nose, basically. Sometimes it led down dead ends, and sometimes, you know, it didn't. You know, I thought, well, okay, how am I going to start this? How am I going to get going with this thing? Well, okay, golf magazines. Maybe they need some photography. Yeah, maybe some of these courses need some photography. Let me go see. Um, what else? Calendars. Oh, calendars need photography. Photography. Right. Um, so I just I remember writing down a list. Yeah, I could go to this person, I go to this person, I go to this person. 
and we didn't have the internet then like we do now. You know, it wasn't social media then like there is now. Now it's a lot. I, I mean, I think it's a lot easier to get information on what you need now than it was 20 years ago. That answers your question. <laughs> no, for sure. Follow your nose, you know? And yeah, if uh, you guys, I will say, first of all, Evan, thanks for all the time. This was a really enlightening and, and fun conversation. So yeah. thanks for coming on. If you guys yeah, out there, I would, I'd say this. It's a shame we're, we're doing this after the holidays um, mm. because EvanSchillerPhotography.com, I was looking through it the other day, and I was like, wow, I could like fill my entire apartment with the courses I've played, <laughs> some of my favorite courses, and pick my favorite hole. And a lot of times you already have an amazing shot of it. Um, and one thing I didn't tell you, Evan, your photography made me want to go to Sand Valley for years. Um, wow. single-handedly before I ever went. So, um, And also, guys, follow Evan underscore Schiller, this S-C-H-I-L-L-E-R underscore photography and on Instagram. It's a great follow. And, uh, yeah, we wish you nothing but the best. It sounds like a lot of travel for 2020. So thanks so much yeah, for coming on. Uh, yeah, it was. It, it's shaping up to be a great year. And I just wanted to say one more thing to what you said. Um, that's nice to hear that, you know, so those photos inspired you to go because this, I guess that's my job. Yeah. That's why people, that's why people hire me. So they look at the photo and they go, Oh, I want to go play there. I went, okay. Yeah, right. Well, you're, you're, well, you're doing your job. That's for sure. Really? <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I told my, I tell people my job is to make you look good. Right. For sure. Well, <laughs> Well, again, thanks again, Evan. That was um, this is this is great great conversation for our for our show. So, oh, cheers, well, cheers, cheers to twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah, that's really great. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. This is fun, for yeah. sure. All right, well, maybe we'll talk again soon and have a great year. Thanks, Evan. All right, thanks, you got Evan. it. Okay, okay. Take care. Bye. Bye. Want to give me a quick test one two? Uh, one two one two. Three four five six testing. Test test. All right.